today's guest is Brady Silverwood. And guys and gals, Brady's story is unbelievable. The first time I heard it, I thought it could literally be straight out of a movie. But it's not, because it's real and you're about to hear it. Brady Silverwood is the co-founder of Sunny Supply Co., which is the clothing company behind the viral red bathing suit phenomenon that was shared by millions of people back in 2017 on social media and featured in Time, Vogue, BuzzFeed, Yahoo, and many other sites. In 2019, Brady ran 3,311 miles by foot across America from New Jersey to San Diego, a feat he accomplished in 218 days raising $42,000 along the way for various charities. Brady is also the host of the Start, Start, Start podcast and is quickly becoming a rising personality on TikTok under the name Real Forrest Gump. Just listening to Brady and how he views life and goes after his audacious dreams and goals gets me fired up. So I'm really excited for you to listen to today's conversation behind the one and only Brady Silverwood. stoked because a few months ago you finished a over 3,000 mile journey running across America. It took you 218 days. So I really want to dive into that. However, I can't, I can't go there yet because I think your story of starting Sunny Co clothing. And if anyone's listening to this, remember seeing the, the vile red bathing suit, the story, when you told me this, uh, when we were on a hike a few months ago, my mouth was literally like my jaw just dropped. I could not believe this story. And I think when you, you look into some of the media and press, like I was doing some research, there's kind of a lot of like mixed things. People are saying all different things. So that's why I'm stoked to have you on and get like the real story of how this happened. So can you set the scene of like, where were you? And what was your mindset when you were starting Sunny Co? Like, did you know you wanted to start a business or how did that all start? So uh, in college, I I was studying business and I really didn't, I guess my focus was marketing. So I thought after college, I would maybe work for like a marketing agency. And it wasn't until my senior year that I just decided I'm going to start a clothing company. And literally, I remember like going into like my junior, uh, like, after junior year that summer, I was just so confused on like where I was going to go in my life. And then it just so happened me and my friend Alan had gone out or I actually went to a USC U of A uh, football game uh, in LA. And then we noticed there was just like this skirt trend where all these USC girls were wearing these skirts to the football game. And one of my friends just said like, dude, this is like a cool trend. Like, why doesn't anyone bring this skirt trend to U of A? And I was in like a car of like seven people at the time. And like, I just remember hearing that idea. Everyone in the car agreed it was a good idea. But then the conversation just went on to something else. And like, I couldn't get the idea out of my head. And when we got back to Arizona, I told my roommate, Alan, the idea. And it just so happened he was on board and we we're like, all right, next football season, uh, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's find a manufacturer. Let's start a website and let's start selling skirts. So I knew nothing about business, man. I was, uh, like my dad is a developer. He's an entrepreneur and that's the only, I guess, like 
person I had in my life that um, was, I guess, you know, a, a business owner, um, I still had like no clue what I was doing. And um, yeah, we just, we started simple, just a white skirt with a red stripe at the bottom, red skirt, blue stripe at the bottom, two products on our website. And within like three months of selling those skirts, like just word was spreading around the country. And I think we we're already selling to like, I want to say 30 different colleges within those first like three months. And so what were, what were you doing in the beginning? Like, okay, you got the skirts, like how are you selling them? So uh, we created a website on Shopify. Um, luckily, just like I got advice from someone and he was like, you know what, if you don't know how to build a website yourself, this is very user friendly. Um, so yeah, we just started on Shopify. Um, at U of A, we would like go around to sororities, um, bring like our, 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 I think it was square, like the square reader. And we would like make orders like, or I guess get orders on the spot. And um, that's kind of how we did it on campus. And then they would actually place if they if they say couldn't show up to a meeting or whatever, we would just send them our website link, they check out there. And then to pick up the order, they would just come to our apartment complex on like a Thursday uh, before game day on a Saturday or something. So we just be in our apartment. Like I had my skirts in the closet. We had them in these nice boxes. We would like do these handwritten notes to each girl. And, uh, yeah, that was always so funny when they just knock on the door and I'd be like, Oh, what's your name? Okay. Let me go get your order. <laughs> I love it, dude. And so after, so what, I guess, how did it start spreading to other schools? That one was all uh, word of mouth, social media. Um, so we, it was just natural. I mean, I had been on Instagram at this point, probably for like four or five years. So we really knew the app really well. And it just seemed like this is the best platform right now to just showcase our product. And um, yeah, man, it was just like, the fascinating thing is a lot of U of A girls are out of state. So they're, they're maybe have a lot of friends in Chicago, New York, like all across the country. So when they would post on social media, like look at my new game day skirt, all their friends would comment like, Oh, that's so cute. Like, do they make colors in my schools? You know, you know, colors. So uh, that's kind of how, how it spread on social media. Um, and then, yeah, like when that football season ended, it was just like, well, are we going to be able to sell these skirts year round? I think we had like something around like maybe that first football season, we profited like 15K with the company because all the money we would make, we just put it back into the company. Um, and for us, we were like, wow, that's really good. But then we were thinking like, that's not enough money like to last you like the whole year, you know? So it was, a, it was a conversation we had about like, what's another product we can sell that would be year round and swimwear out in Arizona. It was just an easy, easy call to bring in the swimwear. Um, I think it's just so funny real quick, like two dudes who are like selling like women's swimwear <laughs> and, and to see where the story goes. So 
you i mean we were both in fraternities too jake so like all our friends thought it was like the funniest thing and and the girls like literally knew us like they would call us we were called sunny skirts before sunny co clothing so all the girls would be like oh there's the sunny skirt guys like (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny so you you start like where do you even start for like developing or manufacturing a, a like a bikini like what was the next step? um so we okay so i mean even to just start with the skirts we just went to the usc bookstore looked at the tags on the skirts they would sell because they would just get them wholesale and we just tracked down a manufacturer in missouri called them up told them the styles and then that's how we got it in the u.s for the skirts for the swimwear we just went on alibaba.com and like you know we i think the first order the first few orders were really small so like that's what's cool is like a lot of people think if you're going to order anything from china that you have to have like a minimum order quantity moq of like a thousand or thousands of you know i guess uh product but you don't so we we started with maybe like you know, they'd send out like 10 samples, we check them out. And then if we liked them, we'd get like 100 or whatever it was. But um, yeah, that's kind of how we started out. What we did, though, um, this was pretty fascinating. But uh, I mean, really simple, we would get a catalog of like all the suits they had in their inventory, take them to a couple different apartments of girls we knew at, at the apartment we lived at, and say they'd have like, five girls in one room we'd separate them have them all go through the catalog rate their like top five and then we'd take that data from i say data like we were like really like (laughs) intense researchers but we weren't uh maybe we like sampled like 15 girls and then we started to see a lot of like common suits that would rise to the top and then we would just you know choose like the top six and go yeah I mean, it is, it totally is market research and it is really brilliant. Like if I was thinking, how am I going to like know what like a woman wants for her bikini? Like that, that's a pretty genius way to find out. Yeah. And we weren't, that's the, another cool thing is like, we weren't, uh, yeah, we had no ego in it. We knew we were the least experienced in this field. So we were just like, oh, let's go straight to the people that know, know it better than yeah. us, you know? And so where, by the time the idea comes from the, for the red bathing suit, like what, what kind of happened between what you just said and then that idea, like where were you at? And then, so yeah, we had, uh, so we had transitioned from sunny skirts to sunny co a little more vague. And those first few months were hard to like teach our audience, our customers that like, we also sell swimwear now. We're not just a skirt, like tailgate company. And, um, we had maybe sold, I'd, I'd say like 300 suits, but a lot of them were very like underground sales and like, hey, here's 80% off. Can you just post in, on your page for us in the new suit? And um, yeah, that promotion just came out of us being like, yo, let's like, we need to get our name out there more. Like we need to just keep like trying, trying new things, I guess. So yeah, Alan came into my room. It was, I want to say it was May 2nd, 
May 2nd, 2017. He comes in my room early in the morning. We had been out the night before, like drinking a little bit. And I was, I was just like tired. And then anyways, he comes in my room and he's just like, like so in the zone on this idea about, Hey, we should just give away some free suits and, and maybe they have to do like a repost or whatnot. And we had both seen a shipping and handling like play that a company had done. I think it was like some watch company. And we, we found that really interesting that you could just like give away free product, free product. They pay shipping and handling. You cover your costs and it's almost like just free advertising, but they actually have your product. So you cover um, your costs through the ship. It's embedded into the shipping and handling. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we just thought, okay, okay. So the shipping and handling aspect's pretty cool. How could we make them share it? And, um, yeah, that was pretty much just the idea. And then like literally that was maybe at like, let's say 10 AM that morning, 11 AM. And then I whipped up a caption in the next like two hours. And by like one o'clock, the, the campaign was live. We had a, we had a Facebook group of like 70 girls that were all across the country that would, they were like our ambassadors. They just like, you know, loved our company. So we posted on there like, Hey, this campaign just went live, go check it out, blah, blah, blah. And within like the first hour, Jake, like there was only like four girls that actually shared the photo. And I remember I was just on the, on like our, our U of A mall. It's like a field. And uh, I was just playing football with my friend and Alan calls me up like, dude, it's not working. The campaign, you know, he was freaking out. And I was just like, I, I remember literally like thinking to him, I might've even said it. I was like, dude, maybe we should just take it down. Like maybe we should just take down the post and like do something else. No way. And um, yeah, just came down to, okay, maybe it's not, maybe the concept of the campaign is really good. It's just the way we're communicating it is off. So um, we changed from share to repost because people kind of knew what reposting was more than sharing, I guess. And then there was this threshold. It was like if a hundred girls repost or share this photo, then everyone that had shared it and everyone after will get a free suit. But it, it was like, it needs to reach a hundred shares. Mm-hmm. And I, I just said like, screw that. Let's just say everyone that reposts it will get a free suit. And then so, yeah, man, like it, it, what's even nuts is like, it still wasn't immediate. I'd say the next 10 hours, maybe we gained, like we we're at 7,000 followers before this campaign. And I think within 10 hours, we were probably at, let's say over 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like we, we were tripping out, dude. I was like, oh my God, we got a K. Like this is so high, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And how and many people had shared it in that first day? In the first day, how many? Yeah. Or like if or a rough if you roughly remember. Okay. I would guess I would guess a couple thousand. Okay, wow. So you're so what are you are you thinking like, wow, like we nailed it. This is going super Yeah, awesome. dude. We what's funny is like we just weren't we were hyped on on like we we're hyped, but it wasn't like we were even thinking where, where's this going to go? Like we had no idea yet, like how big it still was going to get. 
Yeah, this um, is my favorite part. Yeah. Okay. So the next morning, the next yeah, morning is hilarious. So I'm, uh, I just, I, I, it's just a funny story. It's not, it's just a funny detail, but I was with some girl in my room and Alan comes knocking on my door and I'm like, Alan, like, it's like 8am, like go away. Like I'm chilling. I'm chilling in here. I just want to hang out in here. And he, he just kept knocking on the door, banging on the door and he ended up like calling my mom. He's like, can you get Brady out of his room? Like there's an emergency. Like our company is going viral right now. And sure enough, he gets me out. And I remember like I was taking a shower and right as I checked my phone, I saw like Time Magazine had posted about our campaign. And, and like, at this point, you hadn't checked your phone that morning? No. Yeah. And then I started getting texts. This was another crazy thing. I started getting texts from like my friends saying like, dude, your Instagram, like all I'm doing in class right now is refreshing your Instagram page. So then when I went to my Instagram, it was like, literally, we would gain like a thousand followers a minute. It was nuts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so at this point, like how many people are reposting the photo and how like and how many people are liking this photo so people so at, at this point i would say now it's getting closer to like it's probably over the like i think it's now like hundreds of thousands of reposts it's like it's going berserk and like this was another crazy thing if you went on your instagram like explore page you know how like you have the explore page and they're all different photos yeah all the photos were the same one so people would just keep scrolling and being like like we literally took over instagram for that day so, so what's going through your head because i know your business partner was kind of freaking out a little bit like wh what was he thinking and what are you thinking honestly like i was uh i i i didn't really fully like freak out until i i hadn't freaked out yet i'll just put it that way <laughs> yeah. i was just like oh this is like cool whatever <laughs> like, <laughs> this is exciting you know but um i probably started freaking out when it was like so so by i'd say like three o'clock that day we had our peak of it all was seven hundred eighty-seven thousand followers on instagram jeez from seven from seven like a day before so i think like when it was getting to that i started to like really um think to myself oh my god like like there at this point um we had we had heard that there was like two million reposts so we knew that there was like so many people out there expecting these free suits and it was kind of like what are the next steps like we had no yeah. like it's interesting because now i feel like with certain apps like going viral is like i don't know it's not it, it happens to a lot of people but back then it was like dude we were just some small college you know company working out of our college apartment like we had no clue this was gonna blow up as big as it did so then it was just like, all right, how do we survive this? And yeah, how did you out? address it? Because I was reading, like, I know there was some like, and, and because I know the full story, I know you guys fulfilled on everything, which is honestly mind blowing. But there was all this press and like, I think it was like Bud, BuzzFeed, you guys were on Time Magazine, Vogue saying like, there's, 
like these guys, there's no way they're going to be able to do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there were screenshotting people who were like, Hey, I got charged the full like 70 bucks. Like, I mean, this is like, everyone dreams of going viral, but then they have no idea. Like you said, you were not prepared for the influence. What actually goes on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. So like, this was the first time I experienced um, media just like I used to hold media in the highest regard of like these people really fact check all their stuff and like they're really professional and it was like the exact opposite what we what we experienced like if you look at like when all those articles were posted it was all on the same day so it was like it was just a chain effect. Like you, you see like time post it. And then I bet you Buzzfeed was like, Oh, we need to like get someone on this and post something real quick. So it was just like, everyone didn't want to miss out on talking about it because it was like the Dude, most, this was everywhere. Like it was the biggest thing that day. The so age of 30, like yeah. knows what this is. Dude, to be honest this. though, we didn't care. We we're like, all right, these companies, like they can talk whatever they want to talk. We only cared when uh we actually fulfilled everything like towards the end of it we had to like hit up yahoo and like hit up i think it was uh maybe teen vogue did a, a an extra write-up of saying like oh they actually did fulfill but like if you don't hit those people up like they don't care they don't you yeah. know like they don't they don't care if they wrote something that was totally not true so yeah it is interesting in this time of like media clickbait and all this false anything for a click um, how just media has changed so much in the last like 10, 15 years. But I, I want to, the story of like how you fulfill is pretty insane. So what do you, how do you cap this? How do you like transition this hype to like, we're going to fulfill and like what I remember you told me something insane about your business partner, um, like flying to China. Like, I, I just think this part is so epic. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So now we're sitting on like, all right, there's, there's 2 million people out there that like participated in this campaign. <laughs> um, we're not going to be able just off the bat. We're like, there's no chance we can make that many suits or give out that many suits. So what number could we possibly fulfill? And up until this point, we had only made like 300 suits with our manufacturer in China. So anything was like so much bigger right so um i think we first were talking about a hundred thousand that was like an amount where like maybe they could produce a hundred thousand suits that we could ship out and alan's dad had some experience in import export um out of uh, out of mexico and china and he just knew their capabilities of manufacturing and he said to us he's like a hundred thousand in like the time span you guys will need this, like you're not going to be able to do it. And then I think we said, what about 50,000? And he was still like, uh, I don't know about that. And we were stubborn. So we were like, all right, we're going to do 50,000. <laughs> um, so we set 50,000 um, discount codes on our website. So what we did was like, our suit was like $65, I think. And we would make discount codes that would take off $65 from the suit. And then all they would have to do is pay shipping and handling. So our next big post after like going all viral and stuff was explaining like, all right, here's the new coupon code. You need to check out 
um, it's gonna, it's gonna be, um, you know, kind of like first come first served. Uh, and so I think too, it had like some details of like how long it would take to get there. We had no idea. We just like guessed. We we're like, all right, guess? three to six weeks. We didn't even know if we could produce these suits, you know, <laughs> yeah, and we're just taking all these risks. And then this was another crazy, crazy thing is like the price of the shipping and handling that had to be really precise because like we were talking about earlier, it had to cover all our costs. And we just straight up took a guess on that too. Like I, Alan, Alan wanted to charge $8 at first. And I talked to my sister and I was like, what's like the most you would pay for shipping and handling, but not be like, oh, this is like weird that it's so expensive for the shipping and handling. And she said 13 bucks. So we, we landed just below that at like 12.99. And You're having no idea if that would actually cover your costs. No idea. And like, we didn't know import fees. We didn't know uh, postage. We didn't know any of it, right? And uh, so then, then and, and then we also didn't know if 50,000 orders would come in. That was another thing. Like when I talk to people and tell them like how it all went down, they're like, oh, you had to have known. And we were just like, no, we didn't know if we were going to get a thousand orders. We were just like blind to all of it. Because this is literally the next day. So in hindsight, you're thinking, oh, like anyone on the outside might be like, yeah, you guys would know. But this is happening so fast. You're having to make decisions so quickly, like so inexperienced. Yeah. Unbelievable. So what happens when, when you post it and it goes live? Like, how are you going to check like to so, know when the 50,000 orders could come in? Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is the nuts part, Jake is like, we're getting, we're getting the post ready to post it. And we said like, we'll post it right at this time. And I remember exactly where we were. We were walking by my business school and the post, we were, we were trying to make sure we had service at the post we go through because we told them exactly the time. So we're like, oh, it needs to post right here. And uh, it's just nuts, man. There was a thousand orders before the post even went up. So what people did, our, our discount code was just sunny. Oh, they <laughs> were guessing the code. There was, yeah, there was people no just putting it in. Way. Yeah. insane. So, and then once the post went up, I remember I called my dad and I was like, I was like, dad, it's been, uh, I was like, dad, it's been like five, six minutes. Like how many orders do you think we've gotten? And I, and he just like guessed something like a thousand. I was like 10,000 orders. So we literally got 50, all 50,000 orders in about 29 minutes. Oh my goodness. So that like, we really believe like if we just kept it up, like we probably could have gotten half, like, I think honestly half a million orders. I really do. At the rate it was going to, people all would have just been texting, calling their friends. Oh, I just bought it. Oh, my order went through. Like, it was just like, it was going so quick. <laughs> and so that's insane. So the 50,000 order comes through and then you're like, okay, how are we going to actually? So now I'm like, now I'm like freaking out. Like this is amazing. <laughs> and then me and Alan were just screaming. We're all like, Oh, this is so cool. And then we really, it started like set in, like, what are we going to do? This is, this is not good. Like we don't even have a manufacturer. So 
the next 10 days, man, were so stressful. Um, working with our website, um, we were having some like issues with like people, um, the discount code since it went away so quick. Um, what happened was like people, they were, they were ready to check out the full discount applied, but because it went away so quick, they pressed submit and then it act, the discount like unapplied and then they were charged full oh, price. So, so we had to go through, price. what's that? That makes sense. That's how everyone was charged full price because it literally happened so fast and you had so much traffic. Yeah. And so we had to go through and find all those orders. Um, but yeah, it was, this was like, we were, we were graduating from college. So like I had to, like we had to take our finals and stuff like this around this time. And I remember right after our graduation ceremony, we pretty much, uh, just like planned it out to where Alan was going to fly to China. And so he flew to Los Angeles a couple hours after our ceremony and then got on a plane to Beijing and then uh, Shenzhen, China, where our manufacturer was. But it was nuts. I remember even before, like when he was going out there too, he, he had the suit on him and we had already sent out a suit to them and we were hoping that by the time Alan met with this manufacturer, he could have already duplicated our suit to show him like, this is the suit. I can make this for you. I'll, I'll make 50,000 for you in these colors. But um, the reason we had to do that is our first manufacturer that, that we um, like got the suits from and that, that picture that went viral it was it was legitimately a different suit like that manufacturer made that suit so we needed to make sure that since we were switching to a new manufacturer that the new one was able to make the same exact suit so there's so much risk involved with it and um like that our first manufacturer i remember is trying to get us to wire her money to some like foreign foreign account and it, it was really untraceable like really sketchy and we were just like i was in the fetal position on alan's bed i remember and i was just like nope. dude it was almost like oh my god we're done like should we run to mexico what should we do <laughs> that is insane and so you figure it out you ship the suits it's six so like six weeks later everything is shipped which is unbelievable that you shipped everything in six weeks like considering the circumstances yeah it was uh where were we at? We were at some seafood restaurant and I got a text from the fulfillment center and it was probably five weeks and it was probably five weeks in like two days. And he just sent me a text and it said all gone. And I was just like, Oh my God. It just meant all the, all the product from the warehouse had been shipped. So yeah, it was a big, big relief because yeah, it's like you go viral for one day, like you were talking about, and everyone is like experiencing it with you for that one day, but then that's it. They move on with their life and they keep going. And like for us, we had to, you know, we had to, you know, do everything. So. Fill on everything. Yeah. And so, where, so in a way, like you, you guys pull off a pretty insane, like, once in a lifetime feat 
of this scenario that you could have never imagined, never even drawn. You pull it off and then like the company I'm guessing like with the publicity was probably like you were probably starting to get a lot more orders just of paid orders, right? Yeah. So uh, even the, the, the next few months were pretty well, pretty strong. And then towards the end of the year, we really slowed down. Um, and then it was like 2019 is when we really started crushing. Um, and yeah, like really, I guess, came into our own then. But um, yeah, it definitely, I mean, like 100%, we gained, I think it was like over, uh, it was probably, a, it's been a while since I've thought of this, but like I'd say an email list of like 150,000 people from it. So like we gained such so much just data too from people coming to our website that like yeah we were able to it took us a while to really figure out how how to work with everything we got from it but um once we started doing that in 2019 we we did really well yeah i mean that makes sense with all the assets you had and again having to learn like okay this is a lot of people how do we like use this data to like effectively rock and roll um I kind of want to shift gears a little bit here because you did this pretty epic thing of <laughs> running across America. But to me, what's like, yes, that's amazing. But what I'm more inspired and drawn towards is like, why? And when, when we had talked, you shared like what you were kind of experiencing in that time between, you know, shifting away from what you were doing at Sunny Co to like, wanting to do something else. So can you talk about first, like your decision A to uh, transition from Sunny Co and then B like what, what your, what like pulled you into this new direction? So um, the first time I really had like a, a, a moment where I was like, maybe I should leave Sunny Co was in November of 2018. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, I guess like, oh no, hold on, hold on. Sorry. That was totally off November of 2017. So like after going viral and all that, like we really didn't take any, any days off. Like we we're just going hard for like pretty much half a year. And, um, I just remember I was just feeling burnt out and I remember too thinking like the company was, was valued pretty high at that time. And I was just, I was thinking of the wrong things uh, for getting out. I was thinking of like money kind of, and then a similar thing happened in now it was probably like August of the next year, 2018. But at this time we were crushing it. So it wasn't, it wasn't money related. It was more so I was just realizing like, I, I was thinking about that. I was honestly thinking about like, why am I selling bikinis? Like, what is the purpose of this? And I honestly couldn't answer that question. And, and our company couldn't either. And like, you know, you can still do well. Like, it's not like you can't sell if you don't know what your purpose is, but it makes it a lot harder to like keep going into work every day. And, um, 
yeah, I just, I, I knew I was meant to be doing something big and, um, it, it just seemed like, it seemed like it was, it was, uh, I don't know, not, not bringing out the best of me, I guess. So yeah, it was, it was a tough decision to leave. It was something that I, I really like, it was like my baby and like my identity for a little while there. So it was really hard to leave. And when I, when I left, that was like the first time in my life that people were like asking me what I was going to do next in my life. And, you know, I, I had no idea. I was just like, I don't know. And I'm, I'm really honest. So those questions really started to get in my head of like that. I didn't have a, a next plan mm-hmm. and yeah, that's kind of uh, when I went through a lot of depression, you know, I started just becoming really unmotivated. And throughout this time period, this was now, um, yeah, it was, it was still around like, I'd say August, September, October of 2018. And I joined this run club with, with one of my roommates and like, I hated running and i it was like the last thing I wanted to do, but I I knew that like I needed to kind of like get my act together a little bit. And it was a Saturday morning and I went with him and it was cool to just be around uh, other young people in the community. It was out in Los Angeles. And um, so I went, ran like three miles, got my ass kicked out there. I could barely do it. And yeah, just remember like, as I was going through the transition process of getting out of my company and like negotiating how, how uh, much money I would make and leaving the company doing that with like one of your best friends is really like, I can't explain it. It took such that honestly probably took more of a toll on me than the whole going viral and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because it's like, it's an uncomfortable process. And um, while I was doing that, the only thing that stayed consistent was me kind of pushing myself more and more with running. And I just remember like, that was literally the only thing that stayed consistent in my life. And so once I had sold the company in December of 2018, that was kind of like, it just was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I still, like I had just done my first half marathon in November of that year. So I was like, Oh, maybe in the new year I'll do a full marathon. And I just like kept pushing myself with running. Um, and then, yeah, in March, March of 2019, that's when I was like, even before running the full marathon, I I already wrote in my journal. I was like, I know the next big thing I'm going to do. I'm going to run across the country to show people that like, it doesn't matter if you're confused, depressed, unmotivated, whatever it is, you can still accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And I was like someone who could barely run three miles. And, and I looked it up and running across the country is about 3000. So I was like three to 3000. That's a pretty epic thing to show people. So Mm -hmm. show myself too. Yeah. And I think there's a lot there's a lot there in the sense of like, I, I know relating to my own life and even things I'm going through now, like there's things I want to do, but I, I've never, I'm like a novice right in this area. So like, I'm going to be starting to get into creating more videos. 
Um, I love the creative process, but I have friends who are super good editors and like filmers. And I'm like, who am I to like step in here? But there's something like, it's almost like you have to get over yourself or like just commit to it. Even though you, you, you haven't taken, like you have to just take that first step, but like pull yourself to making some way that's going to keep you accountable for taking steps two and three and four and five. So for you to declare I'm running across America as someone who'd never even run a full marathon, who hated running, who a year ago had never even ran more than what would you it's say? Crazy. Miles at a crazy. Time? <laughs> like that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and so from the day you wrote, I'm running across America to how, how long was it from that day to the day you set off? So I don't actually even know. This is what's interesting is I didn't write down in the journal what day it was. So I don't know the exact day. I just know it was early March. Um, and then the day I, I actually started my run was May 5th. So about two months. And that's not a lot of time. And so how did you like get the RV and like, how did you even think to do all this stuff? So and this is at least for me, this is this really helped me. And I know it would have been a lot harder if I didn't do this. I didn't tell anyone. No one knew about my dream to run across the country for a full month after I wrote in my journal in, the, in March. So I, you know, did my full marathon. I actually went out to Galveston, Texas, like a week. It was maybe 10 days after the marathon to do a half Ironman. And then it was like, after that, that's when I told all the guys I did the half Ironman with in the car ride back. And I told them, I was like, Oh, yeah, by the way, guys, I've been like, just like meditating on this thing. So those are like my those were my close friends. And like, they supported me. And once I opened it up to like, everyone and told everyone I was going to do it, that's when a lot of, you know, you start to hear feedback that you're like, oh, okay, like, this guy's kind of maybe putting some of their fears on onto me. And it was good that I had, I guess, that first month to just like, in my head, like, like, understand that, like, I could do this. And like, think- build up my confidence before I, because it's like, so hard just on your own to build up your self belief. So when you're listening only to people that maybe don't have a lot of self-belief themselves, it makes it that much harder. So, yeah. It's so funny you said that. And I know there's a quote of something. It's like, don't tell people your dreams unless like the very select few. And I remember when I was going to Guatemala, it's like 18 year old, no phone, never traveled alone. Like I dropped, I left school. Like I was super scared and yeah, I did the exact same process where I didn't tell anyone because it was like, the, it was super important to me. It was this dream, but it was also daunting. And, I, and I've done that in a few other areas where I have a big goal and I won't tell anyone. And then, but I think at the same time, there is like that healthy place where you can tell people in the world where it's almost like the accountability and you're like, it's on. But mm. I feel like there's that first like incubation phase where your dream, if it's truly your dream or something meaningful to you, it's like you don't want to tell people because it's important. You have to like protect it and protect your own, your own ego in a way because it's so easy to be convinced out. People project what's realistic. Oh, that's unrealistic. And then you're like, maybe it is. But you know what? Like you need people like you who say, fuck being realistic. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to stretch beyond the barriers of what I believe is possible. And therefore you doing that has inspired 
tens of thousands of people, if not more, probably hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. maybe millions because of that decision that you made, which to me is so important to like hold those dreams tight to you. And, and it's like, like one of my family members, for example, I won't say who it is. Like it was, it was out of love, but they were, they were like trying to talk me out of it after I told my whole family that I was going to run across the country. And like, what's, I really believe if like, say I only was thinking about it a day before telling them and, and I, I didn't have that month to myself to really like build up the confidence. I think I really would have been persuaded by what they told me. But at this point I would, I literally like barely flinched when, and this is someone I really respect what they, they have to say to me in my life and stuff. So yeah, I was just kind of at this moment where like, I'm going to stay in my zone, stay in my lane. And like, um, I, I just tried to simplify it as much as I could as like, all right, I'm going to need somewhere to sleep when I'm running across the country, I'll get an RV. Then I'm going to need someone to help me out with everything non running, help me drive the RV. So I'm not having to like, yeah, I guess be worried about all that stuff. So then it was like, find a driver and, the last thing was really just like clothes, food, gear, like easy stuff. So, um, oh, and I guess the, I actually skipped a big one that I was thinking about and very stressed about was a route like navigation. Yeah. So I remember I like hit up people that had, there's not many, but I hit up like one girl that I had uh, seen was doing it and she's a beast. Her name is Molly Cuevas. She did it in three months, bro. Nuts. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. She's a savage. But uh, I hit her up and I think she was honestly like not creeped out, but like some random dude asking what her route is. Like she was maybe oh, a little yeah, creeped yeah. out. <laughs> uh, she didn't give me a route, but I finally just was like, you know what? Like I'll just, I'll get out there and I'll, I'll do like Google Maps google maps walking directions and yeah so i think this point you're saying is super important because it's like what what do you think like when you 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 had the idea to run across america and then you made that inner decision of like i'm doing this and i think this is a key key because there's sometimes like there's no external way to measure oh like i'm actually gonna do this right at some point after writing it in your journal, or maybe it was that day, you knew inside, like, I'm actually going to do this. But my question is for anyone else there who like has that thing that they want to do, but they're thinking of like, oh, but like the, the route, how am I going to do the route or like the RV or like, blah, 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 blah. Like, what's your process for saying, like, how did you know, like, I guess it's the balance between deciding you're going to do it and then reverse engineering everything that needed to be done. Or like, what was your process for that? uh so believe it or not it actually started with the run first and all i thought about was three thousand miles what if i could do 10 miles a day that that would put me at 300 days across the country so that was the first one where i was like oh that's not that's not that's not as scary as like three thousand miles when you hear three thousand miles compared to 10 miles a day you know 10 miles a day it's like oh that's tough and I had never even done five miles a day, but I was like, I was like, that seems manageable. Like maybe I could do it. And that was the first thought. And then 
Yeah, I mean, with the with the RV and the dr- the driver and the route, like I was inexperienced. I was, I, I was anxious about like how are we going to get the RV? I've never even done something like this before. Um, and the route with the driver, I ended up the first driver actually fell through. So it was this guy that like lived out of a van and it was one of Alan's friends and he was actually a videographer too. So I was like, this is perfect. He can get footage of like high quality footage of me on the run. And I remember he didn't want to go till like, it was maybe July or maybe the end of June. And I was just like, no, like I can't wait that long. I need to go now. (laughs) And so I remember though when when he pretty much said he, c- he couldn't do it till then I like I like kind of had one of those conversations with myself of like what if this isn't meant to be just because I had that first like I guess uh setback obstacle maybe. setback whatever and then I literally thought to myself a college friend of mine had always joked like how cool would it be to see the country guys if I was like a truck driver and so I was just like, oh, that dude, I want to call him up. So I called up my buddy, Nate Heiser. And within like a minute, bro, he said, yes. He was like, let's do it. And and when that happened, I was just like, all right, I got the driver. I'll figure out the RV. We'll figure out the route. Um, and I think it was just one thing at a time. And like, honestly, with uh, even starting my company, it was kind of a similar thing. It was like, we didn't do everything at once. Like we set up our, our, uh, like we got our manufacturer, let's say before we even set up the website, you know, like, it's not like we did everything all at once. So I really was just like, Oh, let me just do this. Let me just take care of the driver right now. So I wrote everything down, but I was like, let's just focus on one thing at a time. And then, yeah, once, once I had the driver, we got the RV, got it all stocked. I realized Google Maps walking directions. It was like, all right, now let's just take it. Then it was like, all we have to do is focus on running. And that was a beast in its own. So yeah, I can imagine. And I love what you said real quick, though, about taking it one step at a time. Because I think looking at everything you've done, it is overwhelming to be like, holy shit, you're running 3000 miles or starting this company. And I think you have this like unique, almost like childlike uh, optimism where you're like, let's, it's almost like you're not blinded or um, you're not like halted by all the potential barriers that I think stop 99% of people, but you're also extremely pragmatic and you understand, well, I know this is a lot, but like, we're going to just take this step by step, which I think is super important for anyone listening for like, whatever their thing is, just Yes, like have the big vision, but it's just a day at a time. And I know for me going through or my body going through Lyme disease and all this stuff, it's been like one of the biggest lessons of, and I learn it every day. It's not like I'm there yet, but I have to take this day by day. There's no other choice because if I focused on how long I might be feeling like this, it just gets me down. And I think it's the same thing with you in the sense of if you were focusing all the things you had to do, it'd just be like, you'd be over like paralysis by analysis type thing. Um, it would have eaten me alive, man. It yeah. would have. And like, there's even a, a period on the run where like, I was, I was already thinking of like how many days I had left. So I would think of like, all right, 
I'm now averaging this amount of miles per day. I'll probably be done. And I think it was like 67 days. So I put up a calendar. It was just like a piece of paper on the RV that said 67. And I, I taped it to the like front of the RV. And then when I would finish a run, I would, I would write a new one, 66 and put it up. And it messed with my mind so much. I didn't think it was gonna, but like all I could think about was the days I had left. And it was like, Oh my God, I still have two months of this. Like this is crazy. It actually backfired. Interesting. It backfired. So, um, I remember Nate literally told me, he was just like, dude, and he didn't like to like, you know, step on my feet that much, but he was like, maybe it would be a good idea. We take down the calendar. And then I was like, okay. And then we took it down and I'm telling you that next week was one of my best weeks because it was like, it was like, it doesn't matter what day it is, how many days I have left, how many miles, what is my goal today? Let's just take care of that. Yeah just simplified it again you know and gosh there's so many things i could ask you about this run and you know i'll go into a few of them but what were if you had to break it down what was like one of the hardest elements of the run or like a like legitimate physical experience so yeah like i'd I'd say like mentally it was what we were just talking about like staying in the moment and i think there were a lot of times where i I would say finish a run and it would be like a 15 mile run or whatever it was. And immediately my mind would go to how, how far I had to run the next day or how many miles I had left. So I think a few months, I think it was maybe a month in when one of my followers was like, Hey, you should put up how many miles you've ran out of how many miles you will run in your bio. And I wasn't even going to do that before because I was like, that could like mess with me. But then I was like, you know, my followers, they're, they're all supporting me so much. So I'll do it. And, um, that probably became something that it was like, say, say it was like 300 out of 3000 miles. And then I would be like, Oh, I'm 2,700 miles left, you know, like after, after finishing a good run. So I think that was the hardest thing was like, giving myself pats on the back throughout the whole experience because um i really think if i didn't do that i wouldn't have been able to finish it um even just like getting into a new state like we would celebrate like so much you know so that was a nice thing we went through 14 states um the shortest state was like new jersey and i was i was only averaging I say only like now I think it's a lot because I I haven't ran as much lately, but like I did 10.8 miles that first month. So remember how like, I didn't even know if I could do 10 miles. I was already over it. And New Jersey's a, a small state. So it still took me like seven days. That was the shortest state. Longest was probably like maybe Arizona or New Mexico mm-hmm. about maybe 23 days or something. So like when you'd reach that new state, that in itself was always such a big milestone. Um, anytime I went over 500 miles, 1,000 miles, 1,500, 2,000, like all of these things were milestones for me. So like I, I really like, I guess would like let myself feel those moments. And uh, 
I guess, celebrate them. So that was really important. And then as far as physical goes, um, there's two things. There was, um, when I was in, um, when I was in Arkansas, I, I was going over the Mississippi river and I, I just felt like really weird discomfort in my left Achilles tendon. And at this point of the run, I had experienced like every single type of pain you could possibly imagine. Um, so I just thought like, oh, this is just another, you know, another pain or whatever. But then a few days later, like it just got so much worse to where like I could barely walk and I had to take two days off to just like completely rest in the RV. And that that really was tough because up until that point, like I, I was stretching, I was icing, I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing. And this was really out of my control. Like I didn't know if I could get back. I didn't even know if I could like keep going from from that point. I think it was like it was on day 103 when it first hurt. So like I was through three months of this thing and like that really sucked. It really sucked to just like think to myself all the hard work I put in three months in and like it could be over. So that that physical challenge and then the, in Oklahoma a lot of people don't know this I wasn't very vocal about it cuz it was kind of scaring the shit out of me but I I like started pissing blood I was pissing blood for 2 days whoa yeah so that one that one physically and mentally fucked with yeah, me because I, I was just like what is happening am I pushing it too hard right now and I ended up looking it up it's like they say that it's 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 a very rare thing that can happen to like really extreme uh runners so yeah. really extreme long distance runners reading something about david goggins who is pissing blood so you're in good company man you're in a company of savages if <laughs> blood. Uh, no but i was just like it, what was weird about it is like imagine you're just feeling fine like you're feeling a hundred percent good you're hydrated, all that. And then like you go to the bathroom and it's just like, it was the most bizarre thing. No. Yeah. I totally get that. I would be probably freaking out internally too. Um, but the Achilles, I'd gone, I'd gone through the Achilles thing, uh, before that. So the Achilles thing honestly became something that was like a benchmark almost of like, I got through that. Mm-hmm. I can get through everything, you know? Yeah. And one thing I think is super cool about you, and, and I didn't mention this before, but I also thought this was awesome, uh, how your company donated $50,000 to Alzheimer's research. And you raised $40,000 from 12 different charities. Is that correct? Across yeah. the run? Yeah, 42. And yeah. 42 charities. Or, no, no, no. 42,000 for 12 different charities. 12, amazing. I know the the one you started with, and I remember this one resonated with me. Is you you raised money for NAMI, which is like uh, mental health, and I know that that's been a big part of your journey. So, what what like inspired you to do that? Uh, it was like I almost, and it took me a while to realize this, but like I really don't think if I went through the kind of depression and and like I don't think if I went through what I went through I would have done any of this it it kind of became something where I was like I was like I I want to uh, be a voice 
for for uh, people that are going through this. And I also had, um, I've had uh, some close friends pass away through from mental health issues. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that I know is a big problem. And I know a lot of men go through it and women, but, um, you know, I just know that it was so uh, taboo to talk about. And I know that that's actually what helps it so much is to be able to talk about it and to uh, not give it that power of silence, I guess. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. And was there anything like when you were running across and, and raising money for these charities, was there any like specific messages from people that like really made you realize how much bigger than you this whole thing was? the messages became something that was like, I, I, I guess like my whole life, I wanted to inspire people and I wanted to, I guess, be someone that, that, uh, could, I guess, I don't know, like give people strength or whatever it is. And this was like the first time in my life where like, yeah, I was getting these messages from people saying like, I haven't ran in a couple months and from watching your journey, um, I decided to go out for a walk today and now I'm going to do my first half marathon. And then like a couple months later, they send me a photo of them finishing their half marathon or whatever it is. So like there's so many messages like that. And um, whether it was like, they weren't all even running, like running, I don't, I don't say to people like, Oh, you should run. I just share how it's helped me in my life. So, um, yeah, I guess like those, those messages and, um, yeah, there were very emotional ones too, of like people sharing their specific stories with maybe a charity I was running for. Um, and anytime, anytime I would read those or, or think about those things, it would just put it, the whole thing back into perspective um, one of my friends sent me this quote while I was on the run and it was like, people would kill to have your problems. And I would, I would think about that quote a lot too, when I was out there and just think like, all right, yeah, this, this kind of sucks to have to run as much as I am every day. And I'm in pain some days and, and I don't want to keep doing it, but think of all the, the people who have cancer right now, or think of all the people who don't have shelter right now or don't have food. So I would, I would constantly think of these things to, to put in a perspective of like, you know, it really isn't so bad what I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the power perspective is so important for all of us and, and everything we're doing and kind of like to, you know, put things to somewhat of a conclusion on the run. If you had to boil it down to like the three truths or lessons you learned on the run, what would they be? That's a good one. Um, all right. I'll start with one is that I learned, I learned out there that like our feelings don't dictate our, our, uh, I guess results or our like action. Like you can still put in action when you're not feeling it. And I remember like there's, so many days, like maybe like 30% of the days that I was not feeling it and that I didn't want to go out and run. And 
I would almost just like turn off, like, like just be like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to keep going through the motions and get out there and do it. And every time I did that, I was like, not only was I able to like do the run, I was able to like go further than I had even planned on going that those days. So I think a lot of people, um, sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves and if we're not feeling it, we just completely put in the towel but just if you're not feeling it, show you can still show up and you can still have strong results. And I guess like not being so attached to the results. So like I would get so many messages from people that were like, "Hey, um, what's your what's your like personal record for like your your mile?" Yeah. So people would like ask me all the time, and they still do to this day. Like all the young runners, they'll be like, "What's your personal record mile?" And they're so interested in that that result and I would say like don't attach yourself to the results so much because like we're human there there's gonna be those days where you just get out there and you just suck like that's okay and that's that's normal give yourself the pat on the back for just showing up and 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 the strength in just showing up and not being attached to those results Um, that's number one um number two i would say uh i would say breaking things down so so kind of like how i i talked about how i went from three thousand miles to 10 miles a day i think that's really powerful in setting goals is like um you know not not just thinking about the finish line or the end thinking about the whole journey um because like it is a journey you know i spent 218 days across america and i'm so glad that like for two days in nashville we just were tourists and checking out the city you know it's it i knew going into it this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity and trip and as much as i was like really focused on the running i still allowed myself to like you know, oh, okay, let's go check out these sand dunes in New Mexico, or let's go to this fun uh, Texas, you know, steakhouse restaurant. Like, there was lots of little things that we did like that throughout the trip. So, um, yeah, I guess just break it down and um, take it, take it day by day, how much you can do. Um, and then the last thing I would say. I think it's I think it's important man if it's a if it's a dream that it should be coming from you. Um mm. and the reason I say that is like no one else could have ran across America for me, you know? Even if someone now came to me and said, "Brady, here's this huge challenge and I want you to do it." Like sure I might be interested in doing it, but I think like you, it, I think it really has to come from you. And um, th- the reason for that is like, there's good, there's going to be such hard challenges and obstacles that you have to go through while you're doing it. And if you don't really believe in your why for why you're doing it, it's, it's, it's going to be really hard. And I think like, like I knew going into it, it was going to be hard. And anytime I started complaining, Nate would tell me, 
he would just like put me back in my place and say like, you chose to do this. And it was so true. It was like, it was like, I, I almost realized like I deserve all the good and bad that comes from this. Mm-hmm. And I think you can only accept those things when it, when it's true to you and what you want to do. So life is short. Just <laughs> do what you want to do, man. Man. Oh man. All three of those were really hit home. And the last one, man, especially. And I think, uh, as someone who's also kind of type a, I don't know if you're type a, I'm very like type a, like, um, I think what you just said is so important, especially in this like world of social media, you're seeing all these people doing cool things, which again is inspiring. But on the other hand, I think what you said is so big of like, it has to matter to you. Like the dream has to be meaningful to you to really pull you through the bad times. Because like you said, you're going to get good and you're going to get bad with kind of whatever you choose. Like it's kind of the way life is rolling and we're calling it good and bad and whatever. But when you choose it, it, there's like a level of almost like an inner peace and knowingness because it's actually speaking to you. You're not doing it for any external reason. And I think I, I can't see anyone really running across America for other than that inner drive, you know? Um, and before I, before I ask you the last question, that was one of the things I wanted to just acknowledge about you is you have this like aura about you, man. Like when I was around you, I just felt like I could feel the energy. You're, you're such like a positive, radiant person. And the thing that I really, and like I mentioned before, you have this like childlike optimism that's so infectious because I'm like, wow, like after we hung out a few months ago, I was like, I can do fucking anything. Like you really instill that. And it's because you walk the path yourself. And the other thing I really admire about you, man, is you're doing these epic things, but you're coming from such a place of like authenticity. And I think in this social media world, I can get caught up sometimes in like comparing myself to people. But you're one of the people where when I look at your stuff, you genuinely like inspire me and motivate me to become a better person. And it's not from a place of like, oh, like Brady's here. Like I'm a piece of shit because I'm down here. And I think that's like a rare quality, man, because you leave you like every time I read your stuff, I come away feeling like better. And I don't feel like that across a lot of things I see. So I think that's, I think that's wow, man. many, many special you. qualities. That means a lot, Jake. Wouldn't. Thank you. Yeah, man. And so if people want to get in touch with you, um, where can they find you? Uh, so I'm, I'm newly called the real life Forrest Gump, RL Forrest Gump um, on Instagram. You could find me on there. And then I have a TikTok at RL Forrest Gump. So yeah, you're blowing up on TikTok. You're almost at 100K I saw. Yeah, yeah, man. That's been a, that's been a new cool thing too. But um, kind of like what you were saying, like I, uh, I don't know what it is, but I think I think it's uh, I I do it too, man. Like I'll see someone's stuff and I'll be like, so every once in a while I'll be like, oh, should I be doing a lot more? And like you know, I have those thoughts. And um, I've had people where like I'll post something that I'm like, oh, about my run when I was doing 20 miles a day, and then someone else will I'll see a comment of them saying, wow, I thought I thought three miles a day was a lot. And, and I thought that was cool that I, I just ran three miles and I'll literally like message them back. Like, no, like, stop. Like it is cool. Like you, you can't base, uh, whether something's cool or not just off of what someone else has done. Like everyone starts from somewhere and we're all on a different path on our journey. So like, 
just just appreciate your your showing up and your resilience and all that so amen to that man and final question for you man is what's what's next for you i know we're in this kind of weird yeah. time with coronavirus lockdown and stuff but what are you focused on next um so like we talked about the tiktok i've really been focusing on that a lot i think it's a a really powerful platform for uh i guess people's attention span is like 15 to 60 seconds on this app and it's a lot of young kids so i'm i'm enjoying the fact that i can have an impact on on the youth and and uh, share my stories and other people's inspiring stories through that platform so um yeah i'm looking forward to honestly i'm gonna be pushing a lot of uh of like i guess my my work that I was doing with my book, turning a lot of those stories into, um, I guess, videos on the TikTok. And um, as far as the podcast goes, maybe some short clips that, that people can just like, you know, listen to and gain something, uh, I guess, knowledgeable from, from that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, as other than that, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very interested in the stock market. So I've been, I'd say once I got out of Sunnyco, I went into the stock market for about a year. Um, and I gained, uh, I, I had a 40% gain. So I've, I've been really interested in that. And then I just recently got back in a few months ago. So I'm going to be sitting on uh, an investment for the next probably two years. And, um, yeah, I guess other than that, man, like just I, I'm honestly probably going to be looking at some jobs that are like jobs I never would have thought like would be cool before. Um, and they'll just be revolved around like me doing something that I enjoy doing. So definitely looking into some things and running right now. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'm super I'm excited to see what you do because it's always coming from that that place that we were talking about that inner place so again man super fun chatting and uh thanks again brady of course of course thank you jake i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with brady as much as i did and if you feel called to share it, make sure to tag Brady at RL Forrest Gump on social media. You can tag me at Jake Heilbrunn. And if you're resonating with the show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. And if you feel so called, leaving a review would be amazing so more people can find the show. Again, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you are safe and healthy wherever you are in the world. Stay curious.